Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Thinking Drinkers podcast with myself, Tom Sandham, and my fellow thinking drinker, Ben McFarland, in which we suggest two or maybe more drinks to have with the weekend ahead. Hello, Ben. How are you doing? I'm all right. I've just been hit on my head by my uh, bin shed lid. Wow. I know. It's bad. That's why we get, we're on YouTube and we've had to put one of those filters on because I've got a massive red mark right in the middle of my head. Ah, okay. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, Yeah, the hinges on the uh, bin shed, which I put on, uh, they're not what they should be. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was a bad start to the day. And I yeah. received, and we received a ton of beer, an actual ton of beer today, Kronbacher, <laughs> for our show, oh, delivered yeah. to our lockout. Beautiful, beautiful beer. Somewhere in West London, not mm. anywhere, because you'll nick it, you'll mm. nick it. Mm. No, yeah, but good. apart from the bump on my head, I'm all right. Good. Well, I've had no accidents this week, um, neither of my children or my wife. Um, so I'm in good health. I was, it was just reminded me of that time you hit me in the face with our treads in, the, in our steps. stage show, the steps, the in massive wooden world, steps. Pod bods, pod listeners out there in the theatre world, steps are called treads. Yeah. Don't know it's why. just nonsense. They're just steps. But Ben hit, hit me in the face with them during a performance and cut my head open. So It was during a war scene as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very yeah. meta. Uh, war, what is it good for? That's Absolutely what was actually, actually playing as blood pumped out of the... Yeah. Which is now a scar, which is also not showing up on our lovely filter. Well, as I say to my kids, Tom, pain is temporary, glory is forever, and chicks dig scars. Indeed, they do. Um, sadly, I was already married when I got that scar, so I can't really yeah. put, it, put that into effect. But... Well, um, it's, yeah. it's a better way. I mean, it's better than being hit in the head with your bin lid, bin shed lid. Yes, I don't Chicks know. Don't dig that. Although <laughs> there are certain, there's a certain demographic of chick that would it would suggest that I'm putting the bins out. Yeah, which some ladies love. They love a bit of domesticated man. Oh, um, yeah. Mm. My, my wife talks about marriage material. Okay, what do you think of him? He, oh, he's all right. Yeah, he's he's quite mm. And uh, yeah. That okay. means he'd put the bins out. Yeah. Mm. Well, you do. So well done, you. Thanks, uh, uh, it's been a good week. Otherwise, uh, aside from your injury, uh, we want to say a massive thank you to the people of Harpenden. Uh, it is my hometown, but they came out in force for our yeah, show. Did, man, I like Wowzers. those guys. Oh, that was one of the best shows we've had. There was a real. It was one of those vibes in the show where people were over-enthusiastic and chatting and having a really good time, but it didn't matter. Sometimes when there's a bit of sort of noise through our show, it can be a bit irritating, but it was just a really happy noise. And everyone was just properly up for it, weren't they? They were really, really good Well, audience. you were a little bit worried about it because obviously yeah. they're all your mates. Not all of them. Well, they weren't actually. That was all so extraordinary. We couldn't didn't recognise anyone in the first few rows, and there were loads of people who I didn't know there. So I shouldn't have been too worried about that. But there were enough people in there that I did know to make me feel a little apprehensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but... Well, he's um, you know the guy who took the Mickey out of in the front row. What was he called? Was it Dom. Mark? Dom. Dom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he followed up. We gave him a torrid time, calling mm. him thick and that, and and got his mum up on stage, didn't we? 
We didn't know it was his mum. No, we his didn't. Mom, I was being a little bit pervy towards his mum as, as yeah. in character. Yeah. Um and and we were we were we were picking on Dom who was sat a fair enough distance away to assume they weren't associated humans, but it turns out <laughs> Deborah but did was you Dom's see they, he, he's tried to sell his uh he's in the um um he like does kitchens and bathrooms and conversions mm. and stuff. When he found out you lived in Harper, then he got in touch. <laughs> is he Pearson's? Is that is that I don't the know Pearson's anyway, company? That's uh, now his company us. is um, sponsoring today's show. Well, he's not, <laughs> not officially, but as, uh, um, he's very good. I looked at his work and it looked very good. Um, and he's not thick. He's no. a very nice man. No, he was a nice chap, and she was lovely, a great sport. Anyone who gets on stage or is taken fun of in our shows and doesn't punch us afterwards, we consider is a great sport. So thank yes. you for them. Thank you for everyone who came. Um, the Fullers came to our pub. Uh, Georgina was in the audience as well. She looks after the Fullers pubs, and we went to a Fullers pub afterwards, and she said the pub did a roaring trade that a night. A roaring pub. Um, because everyone went from the theatre over to to the Fuller's pub. And that was and it was good beer. Well done, Fuller's. Well they done, kept, kept the night going. So thanks to them as well. Uh, so, yeah, it was a good time. It was a drinking And where are we off to tomorrow? Let's just get this out of the way. We're going to North Allerton. <laughs> Let's get this out of the way. No, not, not North Allerton. No, well, I'm looking forward to it now. Because <laughs> um, I've had a look on the Googles and it looks nice. Yeah. It looks like uh, one of those lovely little northern towns yeah. with a nice thoroughfare, mm. butchers and stuff. And then it's near Darlow, mate. Mm, Darlington. Uh, Darlington. Darlow. Um, so we're going to go there and then we'll go to Alnwick. Alnwick. Annick. You say Anik. it like, even though it's Alnwick. Like Flittick. Like Flittick, yeah. We're going up to Annick, which, is, which is, has a castle. It's a castle. Oh, like a chateau. Mm. Um, and that's selling very well. North Allerton is not. If you're come on, North Allerton, we, we put on social. I mean, look, just buy the tickets. It's so easy. <laughs> what else to say to you? I mean, you North I mean, it's really good. I know buy you've seen ticket. it before, but uh, this many people cannot be wrong. No, we've got it's... nearly four hundred in in Harpenden and, and yeah. London. Four hundred. You know, it's like come on. Just letting everyone down with Come your on. apathy towards yes. our fantastic comedy drinks experience. And if you don't come, we will go around <laughs> the pubs and bars of North Allerton mm. smashing people's faces in. We will. Um, and then we'll scuttle off up to Annick, which is selling very well. So thank well you. Well done to them. Well done to Annick. Um, so anyway, it's been right. a good week and it's going to be an even better next week. Um, but... I guess the question on everyone's ears right now is, what are we drinking this week? And I think we'll start with you, Ben. What's your well, reason to drink? Well, did you mention what we did at the beginning of the podcast? What this is all about? We yeah, I just said it's two, two oh, did you, drinks. I wasn't really yeah. listening. No, no, but I, I think people, those who listen, got know, it, yeah, they know what it is. It's just a drinks podcast, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What have you got? We've got two reasons. What's your... What's um, your... Well, um, the reasons is... Uh, on, are, we're you, doing a f- are you looking on Google? <laughs> no, 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 no. The reason uh, is the reason, uh, the reason, what we're going to do. What we're gonna, <laughs> well, I, I was I was pondering because I'm not sure whether to do uh, which drink to do to commemorate what we're going to be talking about. It's the fifth of March, um, which is Sunday, and back in on the fifth of March, back in 1558. Mm-hmm. Tobacco leaves first arrived in Europe. 
Ooh. Ooh. Well, growing on things, or you mean they were imported? They were imported. Ah, okay. They weren't discovered yeah. in some Nottingham no. forest or something. No, 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 okay. no. no. Um, um, it came over here. Um, Spanish physician Francisco Fernandez. Sounds, oh, I mean, that is that's a good name. name. Francisco. Where's he from? I think he's from Spain. Um, <laughs> he'd been sent over to Mexico to rummage the world in a brown life, grappling wheat nuts. And he went round to Mexico looking for plants and flora. Because back in the day, in the 16th century, kings and queens and governments would send people off to go and discover what go on everywhere else in the world mm. and what we can nick and bring back. And he went over to Mexico, to Latin America, and found out that they were all over the um, all over the tobacco leaves. Because before that, we didn't have any. Mm. Who'd have thought it? Mm. Now it was um, the Mexicans or, or Latin America had been using tobacco as far back as 700 AD. Do you know how many years of that that is ago? Well, no, you've done the a maths lot. in advance. Yeah, no, I haven't. Okay. I haven't. Oh, I was no, I'm not going to well, do it's that. It's a long time, 700, no. 700 AD, which is, what do you reckon, 3,000 years ago? A long time ago. It's AD. It's 2323 it... now, plus hmm. 700. BC or AD? AD. Okay. I'm surprised it's not BC, to be fair. Well, man, I mean, it's a long time ago. Anyway, mm. the earliest evidence was was discovered relatively recently in a, it was a tiny bowl, which rather helpfully was adorned with the words, the home of his tobacco. And it was discovered among Mayan ruins. Okay. The Mayans, they didn't smoke it. They used tobacco to cure chuvage. C-H-U-V-A-J. I don't know how to say that. You say, try saying that in the Spanish. So far, so, yeah, it's French, isn't it? Sauvage. No. So- C H U V A J, Chavai, Chavai. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a condition that it, I mean, to be loose, that loosely translated is behaving like a an aggressive dickhead. People who had anger management issues, right? It was considered a condition. Hmm. Um, um, that the the source um of this being of behaving badly. Was known as stupid blood or bolchich, bolkike, bolkike. I'd advise before we come on and record a podcast, you do some of the pronunciation. Well, please, it's not even modern Spanish. Bolkike, stupid blood. It's okay. Mayan chat. Anyway, gotcha. they rid, um, so the way they get rid of this stupid blood, so they thought stupid blood was causing people, um, to, to be stupid, knobheads, like aggressive right. knobheads, and so um, the way they get they cure it or rid patients of this of this um, condition was by cutting open their forehead. Mm. Oh, that's interesting because I nearly did that today. Yeah, and you did do that to me. So they cut <laughs> open their <laughs> yeah, foreheads. Yeah. Wow, wow. Well, there is. that out before. That could have been good. <laughs> but, so they cut they cut open their forehead yeah. and then they let the daft stuff flow out the stupid blood yeah. flow out and then it apply the tobacco leaves to the gaping wound <laughs> and that was seen so they just whack the tobacco leaves on there soak it all up and then go right you're not you're not a dickhead anymore um 
Uh, but it, back then, obviously, it was used oh. to cure loads of stuff, flatulence, uh, tummy ouch, Good. insect bites. Mm. Uh, they'd cure constipation with to- tobacco by mixing it with garlic and then the patient's own urine. Ooh. And and um, it also, <laughs> while I was doing research for this, it's a, a relatively modern history book said it cured female diseases. Whatever they were, uh, I don't know what that. I, uh, I I don't know what that is, but I imagine it's probably not very PC to call them that. No, no. Um, but they also rubbed. They used to turn the tobacco into powder and rub it all over their bodies to ward off snakes, and they um and they bathe in it as well, claiming claiming that it made them glow with a light that um, would frighten off evil spirits. Mm. Those mains, uh, you know, mm. crazy fuckers, aren't they? Mm. Um, but anyway, by the 16th century, uh, this cure-all crop, had t- talk of all this cure-all crop, had made its way to Europe, and um, and uh, this Fernandez fellow went over there and brought it back. And the Europeans um, obviously used it for medicinal purposes as, uh, as well. Because the, the the whole point was that obviously they didn't know it was bad for you back then, but they embraced its its medicinal properties, especially doctors and surgeons who would smoke a pipe in a dissecting room to both cover the smell of the corpse and shield themselves from from any uh, lurgies or diseases drifting out from the body. Put that in your pipe. Put that in your pipe and smoke exactly. Which was actually um, that was a Dickens term, wasn't it? Put that in your pipe. I think well, she meant it that meant brings us being, being clever or something, didn't it? You'd yeah, put something in your pipe, and it was believed the vapors would actually carry the the intellectual property of whatever you were burning and inhaling into your body. Well, so if I was to <clears throat> light a pipe up and just start talking about uh, the QPR teams of the nineteen eighties, it was something mm. that drifted over. It would go into your brain. I'd put my desktop with google on it into a pipe and inhale that be the cleverest man on earth um yeah, that's, a, that's, a good that's idea. what i do i know let's go back to the dickens thing yeah no with a saying so you were saying this is really yeah well that sort of brings to us about. to london right oh okay uh, george london, so it doesn't quite work just because it's not victorian <laughs> no but still <laughs> It got weird. Uh, I mean, um, tobacco was used for a rather weird thing in Georgian London. Where, um, it was used to resuscitate drowning victims. Um, people kept falling in the river for some reason. I think I think there was a lot more trade. They had on. stupid blood, I imagine. Stupid blood. They kept taking their heads on bin lids. Stupid blood. Um, but they didn't. It wasn't what the Mayans did. They didn't put. Um, they didn't pat them down with tobacco after they'd um, got out of the water. They'd blow smoke up their bottoms, up their asses. Confident in the belief that warm tobacco smoke could combat cold and drowsiness, drowsiness, physicians would perform smoke enemas using bellows inserted into the anus of sodden victims. So this, sodden, this, as in wet, as in wet. So if I you felt that's where that comes if you, from, as if well. you literally, like, let's say, you were feeding the ducks and you just fell in the river, mm. and you got out straight away, someone would come up with some bellows, bend you over, 
straight up there. Mm. A bit of tobacco smoke. Good as gold. Mm. Okay. Um, did it work? I mean, what's well, the gen- well, what was um, the general well, no, reportage of the time? Did- let's pad this out. Because well, I mean, there's one thing we never have to worry about on this podcast. <laughs> Less, oh crikey, I think we're running, we're running out of time. But, no, uh, no. What we're going to no, say? No, because it wasn't just like this. Wasn't just a kind of like, <clears throat> oh, um, you doctors should do this. There were actually tobacco smoke enema kits were right. dotted were purposely placed along the River Thames by the Royal Humane Society, mm. um, which does suggest it. It must have worked. Mm. Either that, or or it was just something people like doing on a stroll along the towpath <laughs> on a Sunday. Um, I'd be, I, I imagine there are a lot of people who are just diving into the towers, <laughs> purposefully bombing in there and then getting out, bending over. Ready, Dad? Dad get out. What are you doing there again? Never mind. Grab those bellows. Um. Um. So yeah, it was it was a thing. You walk if you walked along the uh, Thames in Georgian London. Yeah, there were bellows with um, smoking tobacco enema kits mm. ready for use should you fall in the river. Wow! And there evidence that tobacco enemas can uh, continue to be used <laughs> up until the mid mid nineteenth century um, was was recently found in a medical journal report of a woman suffering from constipation. Mm. And she she was suffering from constipation, and she had tobacco smoke repeatedly blown up her bunged up backside over a three week period. Right, they did it every day for three weeks. Did it work? Did it fuck? It didn't work. She just so, got roid. What? <laughs> just she just got massive prunes. roid. Just mm. had some prunes. <laughs> Just a lie. <laughs> so, um, but that's in medical journal. What I loved about that, there's there's a really big, there's a massive like paper which I skim read. I'll be honest, and, <laughs> um, and it finished, and you get to the bottom of it, like no, it didn't work. Uh, uh. Surely, if you've got a medical journal, you should just have the stuff that does work. Yeah, I agree. That's why I'm reading uh, it. Otherwise, it's not doing any of the uh, heavy lifting. Anyway, um. And it wasn't long after this that doctors started to realise that far from being a cure for ailments, tobacco is actually uh, it's pretty bad for you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, let's see. I think it's fairly common yeah. knowledge now. Ah. It's, it's bad for you. It's pretty bad for you. Still, So don't smoke. Uh, mm. Don't ingest nicotine. Don't put anything smoking up your bottom. No, that's the general rule. Well, no, you can if you're into that, but I, don't, I mean, I'm, I'm we're not judging that. It's interesting, though. I suppose well, it's it shouldn't just be a, on. It shouldn't be a light. It shouldn't be like smoke. Um, don't know. Maybe don't not. Know. I don't know the ins and outs, so to speak. Uh, I, I, tobacco, obviously, one of those things that was massively prevalent of its time, so it gives rise to those sorts of sayings. The the other one was. Um, uh, bitten off more than you can chew, wasn't it? Which was all to do with chewing tobacco. And if you had oh, too see. much chew- tobacco in your mouth, you couldn't actually talk or do anything else when they chewed tobacco. But right. I bet there are loads like put that in your pipe and smoke it. And but blowing smoke up your ass, I think. But that's, probably that isn't picked... where it comes from. Oh, okay. Got nothing. Oh, to do I was going to say that you've picked the best one there, but it's not. It's no, not the one. No, it's, unfortunately, oh. it's not. Nothing to do with it. 
Um, Are you going to tell me what that phrase does, the origins no, of I that phrase? No, no, I couldn't be bothered okay. looking at wow. that. Wow. I mean, that's a bit like a, a medical pamphlet, that, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you've fine. got to the end Look, of your saying, yeah. okay, and that's I'll, not I'll, I'll, where I it comes from. I can tell you it's from. not that. <laughs> If you want to find where that phrase comes from, you've got to look uh, in another book, other, mate. other podcasts are yeah, available. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we can't cover every base. Well, I'm glad you wasted all of our time with the incorrect uh, information. No, it's a, it's a shame because it would be a brilliant... I mean, obviously, if we included this story in the next show, then we mm. are going to let... We are going to say it does come from that. What are we drinking with the uh, tobacco smoke up our backside? Well, before, before we um, just talking about sticking things up your bum, did you read about that that OAP in Lyon? I think he he um, walked into a hospital in Lyon, mm. and it was forced to um, they had to shut the hospital down and evacuate it because he went up to the desk and said, "I've got a World War Two unexploded shell mm. bomb up my bottom." Mm. There was a berm. It's a berm. There are lots of those, aren't there? In my berm. I mean, if you see it, it's a big old thing. The the best Um, one is probably um, the live eel, isn't it? What? uh, Yeah, accidentally sat on it. Yeah, accidentally sat on it, and um, it's it's just somehow managed to an eel, (laughs) a live eel. How do you get a live ear out of your bum? Well, what you do is... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why you're asking me. This is, again, I'm afraid, listeners, we failed to give you the the, the detail around how you do that. Uh, but... Um, do, you think they have to, do, you put, do you think you put bait up there? Well, the what quite, do eels yeah. eat? And let me Google what eels eat. As I'd say, dead eel would be a bit easier because it'd be stiff, wouldn't it? It'd be... But um, yeah, I mean uh, the thing is, the, the eel's got to be flaccid. It. It's quite flaccid, isn't it? So eels, how would you um, how would you make the eel? They 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 eat smaller fish. Similar problem. Yeah, crustaceans. Mm. You can get a you can get a prawn out there. Mm. Shrimp, crabs. Mm. <laughs> I've just done a bit of a Google search on this now, just because I'm intrigued. But the there is um Live there's eel. a piece in the Metro newspaper about the strangest things up people's. Bottoms. Ill bottoms. Mm. Including a Buzz Lightyear toy. They've got loads of x-rays. I mean, that's Well, there was that, um, in Adam Kay's um, This Is Gonna Hurt book, which is all of is his diary of being a, a, an NHS doctor. It's very funny. Mm. Very good. Really good work. Uh, read. Um, he talks about this woman who comes in with remote control in a different, somewhere different, um, but you can imagine where the fr- the front the front the front okay. version, um, <laughs> and she she said she claims that she sat on it, mm. but when he finally did extract it, it was covered in a a, a condom, which ah. makes her story un- unlikely. I think Smear. unless the condom was up there already. Yeah, uh, it's two accidents happening <laughs> at separate times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think the way he got the eel at the bottom was to coax out there with some crustaceans <laughs> and small fish. Either way, what are we drinking? I can't let's, see any other way you could do it, Tom. Let's bowel move on. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, given this sort of smoky connotations and the link to the 
uh, the crazy Mayans who um, and their stupid blood. We are going for a Oaxaca old-fashioned. A Oaxaca, Oaxaca, Oaxaca. Oaxaca, Oaxaca, Oaxaca. Which was created by Phil Ward in New York. Um, New York. Um, and it's a, quite, it's a lovely twist on a, uh, a classic cocktail that normally has American whiskey in it or bourbon or whatever. Um, but we're going to use Reposado tequila, 40 mil Reposado tequila, and a bit of mezcal in there is 12.5 milliliters. Now, both the reposado and tequila and the mezcal does have a little bit of smoke on there as well. So right. you will get that smoky texture to it, um, but not too much. And then you've got the bar spoon of agave nectar, right. a couple of dashes of Angostura bitters, and an orange twist. We'll put the recipe on the uh, the blur below the pod. Mm. Um, it is brilliant. And the mezcal we are loving at the moment, Tom. And I mean, oh. ironically, it's not. It's very elegant. It's very soft. It's very drinkable. In fact, there's barely a waft of smoke. No, on it's not. Aroma. It's yeah, not it's a. Not. It's a very, very unsmoky mezcal. It's wonderful. Um, is is Lost Explorer, mm. um, which we are enjoying very much. Very much. Um, they do all. They do cool stuff. Mm. It's all very um, uh, environmentally friendly, very green, <clears throat> very ethical. Um, all the they don't they all the people that make it um, down in Oaxaca are uh, get get a, get get a fair deal. Yeah. Um, but it's wonderful stuff, and I said we'll we'll also let you know where to buy that as well. Yeah, it's great gear. It is. We'll come back to that another time, yeah. I think. And uh, exactly uh, explore but, but the reposado tequila for today's. I'm going to come back to that later because I've got a, I've got a baja. Have you? Yeah, nice. Reposado reposado is very good. Or ocho, um, which which just celebrated its tenth birthday. Mm. That is good gear as well. So if you can, okay. I. Wonderful drinks. Have a Oaxaca old fashioned. Um, it's a bit, a little bit smoky, and you can also, whilst enjoying it, have a smoke enema. Right. Um, I'm going to move on to mine uh, now, Ben. I'm going to go through mine at uh, supersonic speed. <laughs> Very good. So why is that? A... Well, I was going to do International Women's Day, um, but realised neither of us are women. And that's probably just 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 based on how we described the uh, ladies' front part is, is evidence that we're probably not well placed to cover off. About? I mean, the every struggles day, every and day at Thinking Drinkers Tower is, is International Women's Day. Well, always we're we're big champions of women, but um, probably don't really appreciate the struggles but as as, as no. men. So, um, about half the people in the world are women. Yeah. Um, and also I noticed that on the 8th of March in our book, we go for the hanky-panky drink, which is a legitimate legitimate drink yeah, created by well, Ada Coleman, who, yes, was, who, exactly. was a, who was a legend of the bar, but it still does look like we went with International Women's Day and a hanky-panky because we're immature men. Well, uh, we're not. I just, there was a good, good legitimate Shall I just, because um, in the book... Hmm. Um, I've got the original version of that. What the hanky panky? No, no, not the. I didn't write there. No, the original the text, which doesn't that hasn't a, which we went back to and changed, 
it started with, don't you worry your pretty little head about this one, sweetheart. We've got it covered. Yeah. See, we took that out because that is juvenile. It is. Um, so we're not going to do that. Um, no. We're going to do instead, on the 2nd of March, the first ever Concorde flight in 1969. Well, that's a good year, isn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> we're so immature. <laughs> it happened in 1969. Oh, lovely stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'll go through this a bit quicker because it's frankly not as amusing as putting smoke up your bottom um, and also well, not as good for the planet, really. Um, we celebrate it in our book, uh, but we kind of also point to the fact that there are a lot of negative connotations around the Concorde. I, I, I remember growing up thinking the Concorde was quite a marvellous thing. And uh, mm. if anyone's been to Duxford, you can actually – um go on to a concord they've got yeah uh, they've got the concord there so you can go and, um, and walk through it which um i enjoyed doing with my children but i kind of enjoyed being there as a grown-up as well um but it it was it, for those who don't know why it was an important aeroplane it it went it passed through the the speed of sound it shattered the uh the yeah. sonic sonic uh boundaries of of flight so it was the first Passenger Twice the speed plane. of sound. It was. I mean, it was a high tech. <clears throat> it was a marvel in terms of work engineering. A genius tool. It was. It. It. It had. It had to uh, take on quite a lot of fuel and burn it to get to those speeds, which is why some people felt environmentally it wasn't really the greatest of engineering no. feats. But it really was at the time that they actually did it, and it was. It was an engineering feat that was. The combination of the British and the French. So the, the British and the French came together, which is a remarkable thing in itself. That yeah, they, they, they wanted I mean, they normally, hate each other. Yeah, through history. Not the best relationship. Them. Yeah, because they stink. And I mean, they smell, you know, don't they? They've got they weird accents and they eat onions and stuff. So there was every reason not to like the French, but somehow we managed to come together and work together against the Russians. Um, it was a bit yeah. of a race, a race against time and engineering to be the first well, also, had, to come up with wasn't that. Wasn't it back then we um, the Brits and the French had kind of been sidelined, they'd been snubbed and had been kind of um weren't involved in the space race. Yeah, well it, I in fact it's funny you should mention that because there's an equivalent race at the moment to try and create the first commercial flights um outside our atmosphere the Earth's atmosphere, isn't it? It's beyond our so we go into space effectively. There's a similar race going on for that, and indeed the first commercial flights to Mars, which seems quite a way off. Uh, let's be honest. But the Soviets were, were didn't didn't beat the British and the French, and so Concorde, when it was announced and first flew, was uh, seen as a huge feat of engineering. Um, and it was pretty impressive. It flew at a height of sixty thousand feet, which is over 11 miles high so the passengers could actually see the curvature of the earth that's how high up they were cool. and and it was going very very fast so much that the heat would inflate the the concord itself from anywhere to six to ten inches which is absolutely massive isn't it i mean oh here we are word. in 1969 and everyone knew then oh, six inches like, was huge oh, huge like the overhead locker and exercise oh, caution oh, i'll go down that's information in your little black book and uh, <laughs> anyway it was 
it was it was hot. You know when you touch windows on a a flight, they're cold. Yeah, it's hot, isn't it? Well, it wasn't on a Concorde. It was hot, so that's different to normal planes. Does it? That t- doesn't touch. Doesn't it's not cold on the window, is it? Yeah, because of air pressure. Don't do it the next time. It's cold. If you lean your oh, head right. against it, it's quite nice and mm. uh, just cold. If you want it to be cold. Anxiety. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, London to New York. How long did it take? Um, was it five hours? I haven't got that information. No, three. It three. Takes five hours normally. Yeah, mm-hmm. three hours, roughly three hours. Mm, yeah, that is cool. Yeah, um, but, you know, you know, they it couldn't. Was, um, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a good thing. All right, so we've said it was a bad thing, but it was kind of a good thing. Um, it, it had to stop, but um, when they when they put it out there, everyone was everyone was very pleased with themselves. Um, and but it was a disaster commercially, wasn't it? But it's just very expensive for people to use it. So that's. It, but it, also, it, apparently, it was, several it was, countries wouldn't allow. Like it had to sort of go round different countries because they wouldn't allow them in their airspace. Well, well one of the problems was the British government that. backed it and said, "We this is a state operation." Yeah. Um, but they couldn't justify the investment in it, so it became an entirely commercial entity. Mm. And once that happened, uh, once you take out any sort of uh, parachute. So to speak, very good. Very from, good the, from the government, then you are um, you're on your own, aren't you? So you've got to make it. It's a sort of six hundred million pound government spend on on it, on it is suddenly taken away. Then you you have to sort of fly by your own steam, really. And then they yeah, didn't want to because no was... British Airways and Air France were the only <clears throat> airlines who could fly it. Mm. Um, um, but no one could buy a t- no one could afford a ticket, and no one, no other foreign airlines could afford. Mm. to buy one so the whole thing basically meant they had to do it and it was mm. it was it was absolutely hemorrhaging cash wasn't it yeah and then there was the fact that in 1981 on her way to a summit to meet u.s president ronald reagan um margaret thatcher refused to share a concord flight with a, a panda bear um, <laughs> That's true. which is another reason why it had to stop really um, yeah, I mean, Thatcher. Yeah. I mean, where does Thatcher? Where did she stop? Where does she get off? Where did? Where, well, she got off at New York. But yeah. where does she? Where does she? I mean, I mean, you know, even panda bears uh, are, are not are not someone she likes. <laughs> no, I mean, I'd fucking love to get on a plane. With, imagine <clears throat> getting on a plane and walking down. Yeah, going like eighteen, nineteen, and I'm twenty. See, you'd sit down, and there's a panda bear next to you. I know. Fucking brilliant. They would. I mean, obviously, some people like them, some people don't. These things are rarely black or white. But you know, uh, and so on, so on and so forth. What's this got to do with drink, Ben? Well, not a lot, except you can drink on an aeroplane. That's the only link, really, this this week to that story. And if you are thinking about getting on a plane anytime soon, then you might want to have a drink when you do it. Because let's be honest, um, making that journey from six hours to three hours was pretty useful because being on a plane. It's a bit, it's a bit shit, really, isn't it? I don't. Well, it I, is, I, but when you're, but I love drinking on planes. Ah, yeah. Well, uh, along with um, what's the best cure for a hangover? One of the more common things people say to us is, "Is it true that you get more drunk on an aeroplane?" And there is actually a bit of mixed science on that. Some scientists suggest that's total nonsense. Right. Um, but other scientists have argued that a lower level of oxygen might well affect your 
ability to um, to sort of digest or uh, metabolize the alcohol. So um, there may be some truth in it. There may not. Either way, when it comes to <clears throat> drinking anything, we always say drink less, drink better, don't we? We do. Um, so so don't drink to excess anywhere. Um, I don't like flying. Uh, you've sat next to me on some long-haul flights before, Ben. You've seen how I uh, clutch bits of the furniture when there's uh, yeah, that's turbulence. Yeah, because that's how What I find is if we were to plunge into the ocean and explode, if you're holding on to the uh, armrests, quite often you can survive. I think that's there's there's some evidence of those are the only people that have survived. So you might as well. I don't. That's one of the problems I have with it. You you say you plunge into the ocean, you're dead. Um, you you had a mate who once said, "Why don't they just make the whole plane out of the material they make the black box out of?" Because yeah. that way, obviously, they always find that. They, they also, always seems to be in one piece. So why not use if that? If I was material? to launch an airline, I'd call it black black box airways. Yeah, we never burn up and. Dis- disintegrate on hitting the sea. That's one of our, that's one of our big sales points. So uh, I, that's one of the reasons I don't like it. I, I don't have. A, I didn't really. I got GCSE science grade C. I don't. Still don't understand the physics of that massive piece of metal and how it can actually be up in the air yeah. for so long. So I struggle with that when I'm up there. So the but drinking is one of the best things for me to do because. Rightly or wrongly, it, it just... Um, it dulls the voices. It does. It relaxes me a little bit. So what should you be drinking? Well, you should be drinking things with big flavours. And there's a reason I think uh, we have associate those big drinks with time on a plane, the gin and tonic, something with lots of bitterness in the tonic, mm. the quinine. And it's because we need amplified flavors when we're in, up in the air. There was a piece of research from Lufthansa a few years ago that suggested our mm, sensitivity Lufthansa. Lufthansa, mm. to mm. savory and sweet flavors. It drops by 30% when you're up in the air at altitude. So bitter and sour were found to fare better as flavor profiles, which again explains why you want that gin and tonic. And I don't know if you've noticed this, Ben, but increasingly we're seeing Decent beers start to make their way onto the menus. Not an easy jet, that's true. No. But um, some of the other carriers will will have stuff on there. The uh, Scandinavian Airways apparently have now got Mikela beers. So if you can find beers like that with nice big bitter flavours, then you are going to have a better time on your flight. So go big flavours. Yeah. Go big. big Go bold. Um, BA have got toast beer on there now, which is pretty good, isn't it? And toast beer also... is yeah, that's the beer that they they brew using discarded bread, leftover bread, so reducing yeah. waste, hmm. which is so, a good one. While they're while they're on one hand destroying yes. the planet with their actual planes, on the well, other, well, the planes are going to fly anyway, aren't mm, they? Or not, if we don't, or not. not if we don't buy a ticket, Ben. Come on, no, true. On. We could but all no just one's stay here and drink because they want a beer, are no. they? No. Just buy the beer. Um, so we can't lay that at their door. No. Uh, but uh, you can buy that beer. And you can buy yeah. espresso martinis. And you can buy tomato juice and vodka. And you can make your own Bloody Mary, which is what we'd recommend. They used to sail on BA gin and martini vermouth. So what you could do is make your own martini. Just get a bit of ice from the 
um, from the host or hostess. What do we call those? Uh, professionals, caterers. Ooh, what's the minefield? Tom? I'm yeah. very careful about that. Air um, professionals, air professionals, and get the ice, and then pour a bit of gin in and some with some martini vermouth and make your own martini, which is That's what good. I I would recommend you do, and um, and that will make that flight seem a little bit because quite often you can get olives as well. <clears throat> yeah. That's true. Or a bit of um, fruit, like a garnish. So that's 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 my we could call uh, it, reason we to could drink do, to this I mean, week. This is a good TV idea. We make drinks called Shakes on a Plane, yeah. and <clears throat> um, we just make drinks for people on the, on the plane, make them loads of drinks, and then mm. watch it all kick off. Well, it's funny you should say that. I wasn't going to bring up my my anecdote about the time i went i was a cocktail judge on a ba flight to hong kong where the bartenders were invited on to do a competition on the plane so right. they actually went on there and they made Did cocktails. they call it shakes on the plane we called it shakes on a plane and we, but i, I wrote about it and i i put i called it shakes on a plane in the in the oh, really? telegraph I, I but then I, and then i put and then i put slaked on a plane as well because i thought oh, that's good they're different um yeah, it was pretty bad though. Really, I have to be honest. We all, we all drank the cocktails. It was like it was like the Muppets, and <laughs> like airplane and the Muppets. But only with about twenty of us. The rest of the play had to watch as it descended into complete madness. And they would have kicked us off if we weren't um, on a plane at altitude. Uh, so you know <laughs> they couldn't. There we go. Drink any of those drinks. Drink something. And celebrate Concord, which was in some ways a disaster, but in many ways a feat of marvellous. No, no, no. Let's just before. I'm not having that. It was a disaster. Well, no, but in terms of it was engineering as a commercial entity, it was a disaster. Mm. But as a feat of engineering, one of the worst civil investments in the history of humanity. But that's because that's because it wasn't required. No, but as a feat of engineering, it was it was remarkable that they could get something that big and carry that many people to break the sound barrier. So you know, well done then. Well anyway, done then. Um, it was retired in two thousand and three, mm, which is twenty years ago. So it's the twentieth anniversary of, of its retirement. Its retirement. Oh. Yes. And talking of altitude, Tom, mm. we uh, we've neglected nice. to mention that. Thank you, mate. We are going to the Alps. The Austrian Alps at the beginning of April to take part in the Altitude Comedy Festival. Mm. Whoop whoop! Um, That's the sound of the bullies. And it is. <laughs> <laughs> and the Altitude Comedy Festival is a international comedy festival in this in the Alps with the snow. Um, Hopefully, and loads of cool people are there. Not just us; we are the coolest people there. But there's um, who let's do the lineup. The lineup. Marcus bear Prince with Stoke. me. Bear with me. There's uh, loads of people. There's um, Dylan Moran. Yeah. There's um, Rich Hall, uh, Marcus Brigstock, Andrew Maxwell, um, Rufus Big Hound, Big Guns, Deirdre Kane, Emmanuel Sanubi. He was he. We worked with him before. He's a lovely fella. He stitched us up before. Mm. Um, uh, Mark Nelson. Uh, and and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And we've got to, we're doing two gigs there up in the Alps, and but we're also doing a week of skiing 
radical. Yeah. And I got, yeah. I got my ski stuff down from the attic today, mm. and I still look fucking cool in it. Mm. I bet you do. Look uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it's going to be radical. So book your tickets for that. Before yeah, book your tickets. We, before we go, some discerning drink deals of the week. Discerning drink deals of the week. Discerning drink deals of the week. How so do you feel? Deals. Do you want a big deal? Do you need a deal to make you feel real? Yeah. Deals. Right, what have you got? Well, I'll, uh, I'm going to start with wine, actually, because we don't really talk about wine. You know, um, we know a lot about it. Um, but I was yeah. in Waitrose the other day and I bought Pinot Grigio for the first sure. time in a long time. No, not really. Pinot Grigio is one of those things that I tend to ignore now because it's sort of like a yeah, Chardonnay. It goes goes a bit like, oh, yeah, you always go for the second one on the list and it's always Pinot Grigio. But anyway, it was it was, um, it was a Pinot Grigio uh, Italian Terre di Vita Organic. Anyway, and it was it, uh, the reason I bought it was £6.49. It was down from £9. So you can still actually get that. Um, and I'll tell you what, it was banging gear. It was really, was it? really, it, nice? it was really nice. And I thought, I'm I find it doesn't more. taste of much Pinot Grigio. Mm. Well, this had a little it's good bit of, to chase oh, the nuts had, with. Well, I'll tell you what this tasted like because um, it had a label on it and it told me, and it was from the organic vineyards located 400 meters above sea level, no hand way. harvested, sea hand harvested, um, no. and there was fruity notes of white peach, melon, orange blossom. And I, and I thought, well, you've told me that's what I'm tasting. And lo, I God am tasting God damn, you that. tasted it. I am tasting it. And do you know what else it told me on the label? It said the chalky soil and the temperature right. range right. between day and night, the te- right. temperature range, because it's warm in the day and cold at night, right. warm enhances the fruity characteristics and the fragrance of this wine. What? And I was blown away by this new insight from the world of wine. I'm so seems... glad they put out a label because yeah. no one's mentioned that before. No, um, I'm living with my mum and dad, which I might have uh, said before on this podcast, yeah. and um, they live near an Aldi. So I went into an Aldi and I yeah. bought a red wine there for £5.79 and it was a How Portuguese was and it was called Mimo Mutinho Portuguese wine. Does that play um, for wolves? Yeah. <laughs> And it was really, really nice. And as Aldi told me, it tastes of juicy brambles, licorice, right. smoky what tar else? notes. Um, and it's ideal with a warming midweek supper of sausage and mash. <laughs> well done, Aldi. They, well, they know their audience. They but know what, their audience. They do. But while I was in there, get this. Aldi's offering free wine. So this is a better than a what? deal. They're offering free wine. If you can prove that wine writing is well easy because um, they're going to give free wine via their Audi wine club. And I saw this advertised. If you are one of 30 lucky drinkers who pass the test to review its brand new range of delicious wines. So what all you have to do is write 150 words explaining why oh, you Christ. should be selected as the Audi wine club writer, reviewer, and you send it to Audi wine club at clarioncoms.co.uk. Now we know the people from Clarion. So, yeah. Um, and you put your name on there. We'll put this on the on the on the on the splurb. Yeah. And if you're chosen, then all you have to do is they'll send you the wines. They'll send you three bottles from the supermarkets range to be mm. consumed over six weeks, and you just put it on Instagram. What you think, Audi Wine Club, on the hashtag, and then you can become a wine writer. And I'm oh going to keep God, an eye on can this. You imagine? I'm going to keep an eye on this because I bet you any money what they say. <laughs> Is as good, if not better, than what some wine writers well, I mean, actually get. You know, get they've got these chat bot. You know, these chat. You know, the 
the AI thing that yeah. you can write. I mean, there's going to be, you could just use that. Yeah. Or you could get a chimp to sit at a keyboard, <laughs> give him a glass of wine and see I what get, the hell I happens. Get I, get I mean, there's, there's some people in the wine writing world that will be shitting their pants. Uh, one of them might be Sam Capel, who is actually the... No, Mr. but she Sublime. knows her stuff. No, but she's also the she's she's driving because she's, she's the Audi yeah, wine school uh, head of the wine club and all the rest of it there. So she's she's one of the good the good writers, um, yeah. and she'll be she's actually pushing this forward. So fair play, Sam. Um, we will should, we should enter. But anyone who's listening, I'm going to enter. Ent- we well. should enter. And we'll see if any, anyone who's on if anyone can contact us and tell us they've become. One of these people. Come on, come on, listeners! As a great wine let's, writer, let's let's do this because <laughs> we need to get the 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 hot during the day, cold at night thing going. Because I don't that'll think be that message has been put across enough. That'll be our hashtag. Um, gin deal of the week as well. Just while I'm talking about deals, Plymouth Gin five pounds down in Asda, twenty pounds for a bottle of Plymouth Gin. Ooh, it's good gin. Um, that is good. All right, deals. They're my deals. All right, well, dealing? I've gone for two. I've um, I've gone for two um, retailers this week, um, just because they were the first to come on my head. Really, <laughs> um, the Whiskey Exchange uh, got a lot of deals, a lot of offers. Uh, they're online. Um, they are doing a great deal for Fortaleza Blanco Tequila, a distillery we've been to in Mexico. Well, we've both been there. One of us has been round it. The other one has been asleep <laughs> on a bench, being licked by a dog. <laughs> yeah. I was feeling that I ate some dodgy rice. Yeah, and some tequila. <laughs> yeah. I was very, very fragile. I was feeling... I was a, I was a very, very me- low ebb mentally in that distillery. <laughs> Really? The sun was beating down his bench and the dog just would not stop licking my face. And he'd just sit there whilst until I fell asleep and then lick Mm. my face again. Mm. Um, I was on a high because it's an extraordinary distillery. Oh, um, it's amazing. And keeps out of bat caves. I mean, it's unbelievable. And honestly, it's one of the best. So what's the the deal? The the deal deal is, okay, so you um, it's £62.75 for a 70CL. Uh, for, but this is top end tequila, mm. right? It's really lovely stuff. But you get a whole case of free London Essence Pomelo and pink pepper tonic with it, ah, so you can make some awesome, awesome palomas. But also for a little bit extra, another just another tenner, you get their reposado. Ooh. But you don't, I don't think you Ooh, get have them. a reposado. I don't mm. think you get the um uh the London Essence stuff with it. But that is that is Trayborn, Saint mm. Bonjour. I get involved in that. And then we're gonna go to Majestic because there is a lot of, they seem to be doing a lot of deals on their bubbles. Oh. Nice. Um so you've got definition, uh they've got their own definition range, which I go for all the time. It's really good stuff. I like it. Um they've got their English sparkling brew. From Hampshire, it's a majestic exclusive. Normally, it's seventeen quid. That's eleven quid off. That's good. And this is made with Chardonnay. It's got Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier. Um, It's got uh, all all the. You can expect what they say. Expect elegant notes of lemon, toast, and brioche. Mm. Um, Which is uh, 
which yeah. is nice. I like Sounds all those good. things. <laughs> Sounds like something you have for breakfast. Um, uh, then, then you've got um, the, 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 what have you got? Uh, you got Chanois Frère, uh, Reserve Privé Brut Champagne. Champagne. Uh, twenty pounds off a fifty quid bottle of champagne. Um, expect fine bubbles. They say lots mm. of stone fruits and spice, fig and raisins. Okay. Raisins is the French word for grapes, which must be good. And oh, it's made by, a, made by a woman mm, uh, with this... 20 years of expertise. God, they are International good, Women's Week. Well done. Well done. Nice um, Not to women there, Ben. And then we've got also another one, L'Anson, Le Blanc de Blanc Brut Champagne. Blanc de Blanc. Blanc de Blanc. Blanc de Blanc. Uh, so get your checkbook you get and, a checkbook pen, and pen as you get it. Get your checkbook and pen out for the Blonkety Blonk <laughs> and spend £45.99 on this bottle, which is, no, it's £20. It was £49. Wow. Let me just check that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, no, what's no, the actual deal? What's no, your right, deal? No, it's £45, what's your so deal? it's £20 off and it's £45.99. It was £65.99. Right. Okay. So that is a lot of pans off. Mm. And that is the official fizz of Wimbledon. Um, so that is good gear as well, and you can you don't expect vibrant, vibrant aromas of pear. Discover them, and they're going for marzipan in there, candied citrus, mm, and there's a note like of chalky minerality, uh, which makes oh. the fine bubbles all the more elegant. Mm. So there's um, that's you really to... know your shit, Ben. I, I know. Well, say. it's. That elegant, those uh, elegant effervescence is caused by the um... catch up with the word document. Come on, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not even reading. I know uh, those elegant bubbles are they are um, the fermentation is um, enhanced by the uh, the mistral. Uh, <laughs> you nearly did it without opening your wafting eyes. In... <laughs> what? You nearly did it without. Now I'm making this up now. The Mistral Mistral is down in Provence, nowhere near Champagne. But the Mistral comes off the coast and creates and affects the fermentation in the bottle. Okay. I see. And then you've got these you've got these bubble bubbles called frog's eyes. (laughs) Right. And you don't want them. These are very small effervescence. Right. Yeah. So that's where the Lonson elegant effervescence comes from. Uh, Okay. All right. Uh, So that's that's good. That's good. And it's hundred okay. percent Chardonnay. Flipping egg, that's beautiful, man. Oh no, that's good. Right. Fizz. Sounds like a good deal to me. Um, and then uh, that's that. Oh, there's that, that, Jessica doing loads of good stuff. They've got a Rioja Grand Reserve, well, Baronia, eight quid off as well. That's good. Yeah, that's been aged in twenty eight months in oak barrels too. So anyway, look, just get down majestic. Yeah, buy some wine. Buy, I've given you. F- four there so you've got another two to play with mm. and you, you buy six and uh you've done well mate you've done well mm. it's a bargain it's a steal oh yep lost you there do that buy the gin plymouth gin yeah. one of the great but, gins uh, or, together. and um and then there's all the other stuff we mentioned do the or, Aldi wine or you could just save all that money and spend it on a train ticket to north allerton and, wow. a, and, a, and, and there's and, no and, point and going and there. Show and ticket. Yeah. And a show and ticket. Yeah. Get that as and well. Then, and come and have fun. Or 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 join <clears> our subscription club. Or buy tickets for the rest of the tour. 
mm. or um, come to the Altitude Comedy Festival in the Austrian Alps. Benzinis. Not, not cheap. Benzinis. Okay, good. Right. Well done, everyone. Love you. Lots to drink. Uh, tune in again next week when we'll have more um, spurious reasons to drink and some drink deals of the week. 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 Drink deals of the week.